Welcome to the Heart of Flesh podcast. This is Jackson Hankey. I'm joined by my friend James Kayser. It's good to be back. Yes, we are back uh, in studio. I'm glad to be back making a podcast episode. It has been a long time since we have made an episode on this podcast. Yeah, this is like take number four because uh, we forgot how to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. We're a little bit rusty, but that's okay. Um, so what we're going to do, um, it's been a long time, but we were in the middle of a, of a series on spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. Uh, and James, much to your chagrin, we are going to not finish that series. Um, oh, it would be a very worthwhile series to do. Um, if you guys have more interest in learning about the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, um, a great book that you should read, one that we often mentioned, was Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. Um, we covered sort of the main three, um, reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, and spending time among God's people. Um, but there are more, and that book highlights a number of other ones that will, I think, greatly bless you in your spiritual life. Um, however, um, we have decided to pick up a different topic and to begin a different series, um, which we're very excited about. And that series, what we're going to be doing is we're going we're gonna to talk about the most important thing in the Bible, the most important thing in the universe. We are going to talk about the doctrine of God. Um, we're going to talk about the being of God, and we're going to talk about the attributes of God. Um, it's so important that as Christians that we understand the person of God. So as we get into this series today, we're just going to be doing sort of a, an introduction to the series and going to talk about why it's so important for us to study God. Um, and then as we continue, um, we're going to talk about first the being of God. Um, we're going to talk about how God is triune or um, that God exists as a trinity. Um, and we're going to sort of sort of flesh that out and, and see where we see that in Scripture, um, what church history has to say, a number of other things. Um, and then the part, um, I mean, I'm excited about it all, but getting into the attributes of God as well. Um, oh, man, I'm, I'm really excited to do that. And it's, it's a blessing. This is one area just of, of theology that is, is very much the most important and sometimes can be neglected. Um, but the most important thing in our Christian life is that we are growing in the knowledge of God um, and who God is and that we are relating to God as people made in his image. Um, sometimes we can spend too much time studying things like eschatology or um, other things that are important, and, but we can spend too little time studying the doctrine of God. Um, and that is our heart for this. So, Amen. So I think the series, as we're going, Jackson laid it out, maybe 10, 15 podcasts and yeah. getting them out consistently. You, you, you never know, though, because we can go a little bit long and sometimes we get into too many. But we're going to shoot for somewhere between 10 and 20 episodes in the series. Yeah. And hopefully between me, Jackson and Joshua, who, man, it's been a while since jo half the people probably don't even know who Joshua is. <laughs> yeah. He'll be on the podcast, too, so we can work together to get this out and really take a good long look at who God is, because yeah. it is the most important thing. Yep, yeah, and we want to do this with a little more consistency, so probably a couple episodes a month, but it's always going to be, you know, as usual, um, as our time permits. But So, all right, James, um, this is the question for this episode, okay? Why should we study the person of God? Why is that important, okay? Um, the first answer, and we've already kind of briefly touched on this, is that the question of who is God is the most important question in the universe. Um, it's the most essential thing to understand if we're going to understand who we are, how we should live, where we come from, where we're going, all of these things. We need to know 
the person of God. So I'm going to begin with something that is often quoted, um, but it's a, it's a quote from A.W. Tozer. He has a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. And on the first page of his book, um, there's just an excellent, a, a, bu- a few excellent statements. I'm going to quote a little bit extensively from there, but it's going to show us the importance of this reality. So I'm going to begin. Tozer says this. He says, quote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. And man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is either pure or base as the worshiper entertains either high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. And Tozer continues, he says, he says this, that our idea of God corresponds as nearly as possible to the true being of God is of immense importance to us. Compared with our actual thoughts about him, our creedal statements are of little consequence. A right conception of God is basic, not only to systematic theology, but to practical Christian living as well. I believe there is scarcely an error in doctrine or a failure in applying Christian ethics that cannot be traced mm-hmm. finally to finally back to imperfect and ignoble thoughts about God. I love that quote. I think it's wonderful. The most pressing question in your life is who is God? The most important thing about a man is the thoughts that come into his mind when he thinks about God, his conception of God. Um, I love what he says at the end as well. And I'm going to get it, we're going to get into this later, but there is scarcely an error in doctrine or in life, just practical living, that can't be traced back to some misunderstanding about the person of God. Yeah. Something that I really like here too is that the most important fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. And so often I think in the world in which we live and and frankly as Christians, we look at a person and we evaluate them or even our own lives based on our actions, what we do and even what we say. But what, uh, what Tozer is getting at here is it's not about what you say, not about what you do necessarily, but what in your heart do you conceive God to be like? Mm-hmm. Because in reality, and again, we're going to get into this more, but you live out of your th- what you believe about God. All your actions, like Tozer is saying, can be traced back to what you're believing about God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like the R.C. Sproul idea that everyone is a theologian as well. Everyone has some belief about God that shapes the way that they live. And the heart of this podcast series um, is that we would come to have true and right um, thoughts and understanding about God. Yeah. And, um, this and that we would live that out in our lives. And this doesn't just apply to the Christian worldview per se. If you're an atheist, agnostic, Muslim, you name it, you have some conception in your heart and in your mind that might not be even aligned about God and you are acting out of that. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing about you. Yeah, it affects everything else. All right, so we're going to go, um, that's just by way of introduction, but we're going to go into a few reasons why this doctrine of God is so important. Um, one, just a very basic, this is such a basic reason, but I love it. 
Um, the Bible is all about God. Um, if we are reading the Bible and we're not growing in our understanding of God, then we are reading the Bible incorrectly. Um, I want to give you just some <coughs> awesome statistics that I love, but um, if we look at the Old Testament, um, people do these sorts of things like word studies in the Old Testament. They count the amount of certain words. Um, if we look at proper nouns in the, new t- in the Old Testament, um, we find that the, the proper noun other than God that is mentioned the most is the, is the noun Israel. It's used 2,509 times. Um, as for specific people, uh, the proper name which is used the most is David, and he's used 1,075 times. Um, Judah, the nation of Judah, um, also the person of Judah in Genesis, used 820 times. Moses, 766. You kind of get the idea. Um, the name in the Old Testament, Yahweh or Lord, is used 6,829 times. That is almost 20% of all the proper names in the Old Testament. Um, The Hebrew word for God, Elohim, is used 2,602 times. Um, And the word Adonai, or Lord, another word for Lord, is used 700. That comes out at a total of 10,131 uses of the name God in the Old Testament um, versus 1,000 for David. Um, in the New Testament, we see similar things. Can um, I just give a quick aside here? Go ahead. When you see in your Old Testament, uh, Lord, all caps, that's mm-hmm. referring to the covenant name of God, which is Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see Elohim, typically that is God, capital G, lowercase O, D. When you see uh, Adonai, correct me if I'm wrong, Adonai is usually capital G, O, D. Um, no, I think it's Lord without a capital. Okay. Without the other capitals. But I think, yep. yeah. I think Yahweh Adonai is, nah, I'm not 100% Lord, sure. Yeah, it's Lord God. Yeah, but I think the God is all caps. Yeah, I, I, you're throwing I off looked my that point up. anyway, James. But that's, you're right. It's okay. Yeah, but there's some interesting stuff from as we translate from Hebrew into English. But uh, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul mentioned 158 times. Peter, 156 John 135, the name God 1,317, the word Lord 717, and the name Jesus 917 times. So just very briefly, the Bible is a book that is about God. Um, it is. It doesn't just teach us how to live. Um, it teaches us about the person of God and what God has done in the world, the great works of God. Um, It is a book about God. So as we read and study the Bible, if it's not teaching us about God, and if we're not growing in our understanding of who God is as Christians, then we are missing so much of the point, right? Um, I I also love the verse uh, in Colossians where it talks about Jesus. It says the universe, um, or it says all things were made by him and for him. So not only is the Bible a book about God, but this, this world was is for God, and it's about God. Um, the heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, our lives are meant to be about God. Um, the, 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 the Bible, all of human history is about what God is doing. Um, as we look around at the world today, we should be in awe of what God is doing in his church in all nations. Um, this, this Bible, this universe, it is about God. Um, I want to just stress that so much. And if your life and your thoughts are about something else more than God, then you, my friend, have an idol. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a false God, and you need to turn from it to the true God. Your your life should be about God. Your The thing that you think about the most should be God. 
um, that you delight in the most should be God. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, uh, he, th- this world is about him, um, and he is a glorious and a good God, and we're going to have the joy of, of talking about that so much more. Um, but that's the first reason the Bible is about God. Um, James, do you have anything you want to add or go to the next one? Uh, one thing that's just a blessing of the time that which we live in is we can do a word study like this and we can, we know that the Bible is about God, but now we can look up the words so clearly. God is the most important thing about the Bible. And just a practical note too, when we go to the scriptures, we want to be first and foremost going to know God more. Mm-hmm. And and your prayer should be as you, as you get into the word, God, please reveal more of yourself because what we need most, what Jackson needs most, what I need most in, in this life is to know God more. Mm-hmm. And actually what the world needs more of James is for him to know God more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as we go to the scriptures, it can be so often to be um, seeking other things, fleshly things, even good things. But first and foremost, we go to the word of God, we go to church, we practice the spiritual disciplines, uh, which we didn't get to finish, to know God more fully. Because mm-hmm. that's, w- that's what we're made for. Absolutely. Um, okay, so that's point number one. The Bible is about God. Um, the second reason why we want to study God um, is because a really strong conviction, and I think the Bible talks about this, and we're going to get into it, but here's the second reason, because true knowledge of God is the fountainhead of all true spiritual life. True knowledge of God is the source of true spiritual life. Um when we think about our Christian life, um, when we think about um, biblical religion or spirituality, it is not measured by just being conformed to a set of doctrines or uh, just being conformed to a set of certain moral principles or following certain rites and rituals. But true spiritual life is, I think, measured by our, our comprehension of God and our love for God. If you want to be a person um, who is growing in spiritual life and mature, you need to be a person who knows God and loves God. If you're looking for a spiritually mature person, that is the one who it's going to be. Someone who has been walking with the Lord and knows the Lord and has love for the Lord. Amen. That I think is something the mark. that's important too about what you said there is true knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. Because you can have a knowledge of God but that isn't true and therefore you have no spiritual life. And we look at other religions and we say that's true of them. They have knowledge uh, of of a false God. And Mm -hmm. so they have no spiritual life. Yeah. The Apostle Paul says about the the Jews in Romans 9 that they have zeal, but it's not according to knowledge. Um, They have, they they had at the time many religious rites and practices, but it wasn't according to the true knowledge of God. Yeah. and that's why this question is, is so foundational, because if we get it wrong, everything else is wrong. Absolutely. Uh, so knowing God it is so important, and it's the most, it's really what it is, is it is a transformational reality. Um, someone that truly knows God uh, is going to be transformed by that knowledge. Um, I think of even, you know, one practical example of this, uh, you know, knowing God and loving God. I think of the Pharisees in the New Testament. They had many religious rites, um, like Jesus said, they love to stand on the street corners and in the synagogues and pray. And um, they la- love to make it known that they were fasting and they would do these things that were religious and spiritual. And they seemed to be the religious people of the day. Um, but Jesus says of them that they, I mean, 
they were like hypocrites in whitewashed tombs mm-hmm. that were full of dead men's bones. Um, they had no true spiritual life. They did many rituals and things. Um, and similarly in our day, we could be going to church and even reading the Bible. But if you are not a person, if God is not a reality in your life and the knowledge of God and a relationship intimately with God, um, then you, you have no spiritual life, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think to another evaluation is, um, and this is my story up until um, I came to know Christ was I had a conception of God in my mind in which I, I worshipped that wasn't a true God and that led to no transformation of my life. I had no power over sin. Mm-hmm. I had My desires never changed. But when you know the true God, the God of the Bible, the triune God, you're transformed slowly but surely from one degree of glory to the next. Yeah. And so uh, a good marker of, of what you're believing about God, if, if it's true or not, is, is it transforming you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing, I'm going to note this and go through a number of passages just where, where we see this, but the, the Bible presents to us a view of human existence that is just saturated with God. Um, the Bible is about God, like we said, and our lives should be about him. And I just want to go through a couple of verses that show us the importance of knowing God. Um, the first and one of my favorites uh, that's going to be, you know, I, th- I think was part of the impetus for wanting to do this um, podcast series, but it comes from Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Um, and the Lord is the speaker, and he says this, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. The only thing that is boastworthy in human existence is whether or not you know the true and the living God. Uh, Human wisdom is is small compared to that. And uh, as Paul says, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. Um, Human strength is nothing compared to the power of God. Riches fade and die and can do little to actually satisfy the heart of a man. Um, But a person who knows God has something to boast about. Mm -hmm. Secondly, Hosea. um, In Hosea chapter 6, we see this great command. Hosea says, let us press on to know the Lord. Um, And then in verse 6, this great statement, the Lord speaking, he says, uh, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Um, Even there, like a condemnation of the religious rituals and sacrifices of of the Jews in the Old Testament, even though they may have been fulfilling the law outwardly, um, but if they did so without true knowledge of God and love for God. Yeah. And it says, let us press on to know the Lord. And we hope part of this podcast is this is you pressing on to know the Lord even more. And each day we should be pressing on to know the Lord. We're not going to drift into knowing God more. Mm-hmm. But we're intentionally making efforts to know more of God. And he's given us means to know him yeah. more, the spiritual disciplines. Go back yeah. and listen to those ones. Yeah, um, I, even, um, I think about uh, this Jeremiah 9. How much time do we spend trying to acquire wisdom for earthly human things? And how much time do we 
spend trying to acquire great strength in a weight room or a gym? How much time do we spend trying to build up our bank account and gain riches? And how little time do we spend seeking to understand and know God? Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, what a what a blessing it is for a man who really knows God and walks with him. Amen. Um, what a life-changing thing. I want to go to Philippians 3 just to highlight another verse. Um, I love uh, this passage, but as I as I read through this, I want to con- I want you to consider your own life, and I want you to consider if you would be able to say the things that Paul is saying. Um, Paul speaks about his former life in Judaism. Um, he says, um, "If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church." as to righteousness under the law, blameless. That's all of Paul's life as a Pharisee before he, um, before Jesus revealed himself to him on the, Damascus, on the Damascus road. And here's what Paul says after that. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. In your life, do you count other things as less than knowing Christ? My friends, if you know Christ, you have the greatest treasure in the world. Um, If you know Christ, you should be very, very slow to complain about life or to grumble your way through life. You have the treasure of the kingdom that is more valuable than anything else. How much should we press on to know the Lord? Amen. Keep preaching to my heart, man. Yeah. Uh, Paul, too, you can't say such a thing without grasping who God is, how big he is, transcendent, glorious, majestic. You can't say such a thing if you have a tiny little pocket-sized God. Oh, yeah. Um, And you will have a pocket God if you don't open up your Bible and get (laughs) exposed to the true God in the Bible. Um, there is, we're going to talk about this more in future episodes, but you need not some cultural view of the Bible, not some man-centered view of the Bible or of God. You need the, you need a biblical view of God, a massive and glorious and weighty God, a powerful God and a sovereign God. Amen. Of the whole scriptures as well. Tota Scriptura. The whole yeah, Bible. Absolutely. I think part of it too nowadays in, um, in evangelicalism is people don't read the Old Testament. Oh, and yeah. So you if you want to have a big view of God, <laughs> you got to read the Old Testament. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to finish. Um, Paul says in verse 9, um, he says, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then he says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Um, The most important thing for Paul was the knowledge of God. Please read um, the book of Acts and other books in the Bible. You see the apostle Paul goes through tremendous, tremendous suffering. Um, he describes his, his life as one that is sorrowful but always rejoicing. Um, oh, how, how the knowledge, true knowledge of God can bring a person like Paul through such great trial and difficulty. 
um, but sustained by a view of the massive glory of God. Um, a couple other psalms just to mention. If you want a big view of God, the psalms are also so there's so God-centered. Um, the psalms are wonderful to read, but we find there just a God-entranced view of life. I'm going to read Psalm 63.1. Um, it's a psalm of David. It says, O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 73, 25 and 26. Um, Whom have I in heaven but you? Speaking about God. And there is nothing on the earth that I desire besides you. Think about that statement for a moment. There is nothing on the earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 16:11, last one. Then James looks like you have something to share too. Psalm 16:11, speaking about God, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I love the Psalms. They have such a high view of God, and they encourage us to have such a a God-saturated life. Amen. Side note, one of the reasons I think God has given us the Psalter, the Psalms, is, is to teach us how to express our theology how to relate to God. Um, but I was going to read John seven thirty seven. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And it, it just as a reminder, as we portray, as we lay out who, who God is through his word, the call to you and the call to Jackson and I is to come. He is the fountain of life. Come and drink. If anyone is thirsty, come and drink. Uh, it's a well that is deep, that is endless, um, that is infinite. Um, and that is where true life is going to be found. And, and, and Jackson and I, we're, we're thirsty people too, coming to drink from the Lord. Um, and we're poor beggars um, saying, hey, the bread is over here. Come. This is where we found it. Absolutely. Um, I think of John seventeen three. Jesus says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Um, so, guys, true knowledge of God is the source and the spring of all true spiritual life. Um, if you want to know the, the power of God in your life, um, you need to know the person of God. Amen. Lastly, um, um, the final reason why we should study the doctrine of God, um, because the doctrine of God is also the fountainhead for all other theology. Um, basically, the idea here is that if you get the doctrine of God right, then essentially you will get er- everything else will sort of fall into place. If you get God wrong, um, you will have many issues. But if you get God right, then many things will fall into place. I think of it often like a button-up shirt. If you get the first button on the shirt right, then you will get the rest right. Um, And the doctrine of God is like the first button on that shirt. If we get that right, um, then what follows will usually be spot on as well. Um, It is sort of like, you know, you could think of a line of dominoes. The doctrine of God is the first domino that needs to fall. You need to have a right view and understanding of God. Um, The Proverbs say that the fear of, of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, without a proper and a right view of God, you have no wisdom. 
Um, you will live life the wrong way. Um, but the fear of the Lord, knowing God and revering God, is the, is the beginning of all true wisdom. Um, just a few things. Uh, as we, you know, we've done a series on um, the, just doctrines of salvation. Um, if you don't have a good doctrine of God, it will lead to a bad doctrine of mm. salvation. Um, you will not be able, you, you cannot have a real understanding and grasp of the gospel if you don't have a good understanding and grasp of the doctrine of God. Yeah, if you don't have a the right doctrine of God, you will have the wrong doctrine of man. Mm-hmm. You have the wrong doctrine of man, you're going to have the wrong doctrine of salvation. Mm-hmm. And, and so on and so forth. It just trickles down into poor theology and poor theology leads to poor living. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. And right theology leads to proper and right living. Yep. And that's what the book of Titus is all about. You get your theology right, your living is going to be right. Mm-hmm. And and when we say that, it, we're not just talking about intellectually. Um, I think oftentimes that, that's the, the presupposition or what people think. If we talk about theology, it's just intellectually or under, understanding God correctly. But true understanding... It is both intellectual and in the heart and then leads mm-hmm. to action. And if I say I know something, but it doesn't change the way I live, then I don't know that yet. Yeah. You don't, you don't really have a true understanding. Um, you know what I think of, um, I think of James two, when James is talking about faith apart from works is dead. And he uses this, uh, great, just one verse. Um, he says, you believe that God is one and you, you do well but even the demons believe and shudder. Mm. Now, the most important, like, um, the, 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 that comes from something called the Shema in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 6.4. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Jews would repeat that um, often throughout the day and other things. This was one of the most important things, um, sort of creedal statements in the Old Testament for the Jews. Um, they would repeat this. But James is saying, like, if, if you believe you believe that God is one, you do well. But even the demons believe and they shudder. Yeah. Here's just a scary reality. The demons and the devil <clears throat> know all the true doctrine about God. Yeah, they have way better theology than any of us. Yes. Um, you see that in the Gospels when Jesus approaches demons. They're the ones that are the first to say, um, um, what are you doing with us, Jesus, Son of God, the or Son high. of the Most High God? Um, they have an understanding of who Jesus is, but the issue is, is that they don't, they're not changed by what they know. Submit. They don't love God. They don't submit to the will of God. Um, they don't delight in God. Um, and we can very much be like that as well. Um, we might, you know, you could listen to this podcast or hopefully you're reading other resources about the doctrine of God and you could, you could memorize the creedal statements. Um, you could memorize all of the um, the things about God, but if, if you're not growing in your love for God and your desire for God, uh, then it's meaningless. Amen. And I think too, as we, as we lay out this series, maybe you've never gone through the Bible systematically and looked at truly who God is. Mm-hmm. And, and you know a lot about God from, from st- studying the word and church and whatnot, but never actually taken time to step back. What, what actually is the Trinity? Mm-hmm. I think a lot yeah. of us just assume yeah. there's actually been, it's well, been hey, hot, the pastor says the Trinity yeah, is true. It's so. been uh, hotly debated for 
centuries now and there's been a lot of error that has come out of it as well so looking at the trinity the hypostatic union which is uh, the idea that jesus is fully god and fully man there's been uh, many heresies relating to that as well and then looking at actually the attributes of god his omniscience his omnipotence um, his sufficiency yeah and let me let me say this too as well Um, and we're going to go into some of the history of some of these things but just the, the point here is that if you get god right you will get um, everything else will fall into place. I mean, history is also shown very clearly that if you get God wrong, if you get the doctrine of God wrong, it will affect everything and end up in chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, really, at the at the heart of you know some of the some of the cults in the United States, like Jehovah's Witnesses mm-hmm. and and the Mormon Church, um, the first and the biggest issue is they they have a wrong doctrine of God, mm-hmm. and what that does is it leads to almost everything else. Um, so yeah, th- you can see that getting the doctrine of God wrong will lead to much greater errors. That's happened all throughout history, and that is happening so much in our day and age as well. James, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we close? I think just reiterating again, we were made to know God. Mm-hmm. That That is the essence of our whole existence, is to know God to worship him, to enjoy him, to glorify God and enjoy him forever, like the Westminster Confession says. And Jesus says in John 10.10, Satan or the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. And we can see that in our own lives. We can see that in the world around us. We can see it with these false Christian sects. But Jesus said, I came to give life and give it abundantly. Mm-hmm. A true knowledge of God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will lead to an abundant life in mm-hmm. joy and peace. Yeah, at your right hand is our pleasures forevermore, Amen. and in your presence is fullness of and joy. And so we want to get a head start because in the new heavens and the new earth in heaven, what we're going to be doing for the rest yeah. of eternity, for those who, who come to Christ, who turn from sin and trust in Jesus and his substitutionary life and death, what we'll be doing forever and ever and ever is knowing God more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to <clears throat> we want to get started with the business of heaven now. Amen. Let me just drop this theological bomb on you today. Think about this. God is an infinite being. Mm-hmm. We're finite creatures, right? In heaven, we're not going to cease to be finite. We're going to continue to be finite. God's going to continue to be infinite. And we are going to spend the rest of eternity learning about God. When we get to heaven, we won't just know everything. We're going to continue to learn for eons and eons and eons. Forever and ever, we're going to be mining uh, the pit of God and his wisdom and beauty and majesty and glory. And so we got a little 70-year head start right now. And we got to make the most of our time because this is what we're going to be doing um, forever. Ever-increasing knowledge of God and ever-increasing joy in him. Mm. What a glorious thing. Well, my friends, thank you for tuning into the Heart of Flesh podcast. Um, we're so glad that you did. We pray that this would be a benefit to you. Um, and I am going to leave you with this verse of the Bible. I'm going to try to end every episode in this series with this one verse of the Bible. And my hope is that by the end, you will commit it to memory and that it will plant, um, be planted as a seed deep in your heart that will bear much fruit. So I will repeat it again. Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness 
in the earth. Thanks for tuning in and God bless all of you.